From the creators of Relevant Magazine, this is the Relevant Podcast. The week of December 29th, 2017, and it's the Relevant Podcast. It's our best of the year edition. I'm your host, Cameron Strang, and here with me in our Orlando studios on the ones and twos, our illustrious producer, my brother, Chandler Strang. Hello. Eddie uh, Big Cat has the week off this week. Mm, yeah. On the Skype line from Loverland, Virginia, Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. Well, like I said, this is our best of the year uh, episode. And what we're going to do, like we do every year uh, on our 52nd week of broadcasting, uh, we've been doing this show for since 2005, so yeah. uh, you know this is the end of our 12th year. Um, what we'd like to do after 51 weeks of content is kind of sift through all the the, the, the not good stuff and uh, find <laughs> find a handful of highlights buried in all the rubble. I, out of those 52 episodes, uh, 51 episodes, yeah. uh, about you know estimated two hours. I mean, we're talking over 100 hours of footage here that we've right. we've whittled down to about 45 usable minutes here. So <laughs> you're in for a real treat. Yeah. Uh, if you're a new listener uh, or missed a chunk of the year, this is a good way to catch up and then start 2018 fresh. You're all caught up. It's kind of like when they do the. Uh, Last season on the whatever, you know, it's like, and then you're good to go. Yeah. You you didn't have previously to invest the hundred hours, right. you know. Yeah, so this is the uh, previously on twenty four moment, right? Now. That's what's coming up. Uh, but before we move the show along, uh, you know, my my son, my eight year old son Cohen is here joining us, and uh, I thought this would be a good chance. Uh, Jesse's got this app of questions mm-hmm. that uh, this would be a good chance to to try a few out on him to get to know him a little bit better. Okay. Cohen, I have a question for you, man, because uh, I understand that you are like a Lego expert, and I have a four-year-old son. He's not quite at the Lego age, but I want his first Lego experience to be unforgettable. What is the first Lego set I should get my son when he's ready to play with Legos? There's a big decision. It's a big decision. Cohen had Cohen inherited Dad's Legos, Uncle Chandler's Legos, Mm -hmm. and then all the Legos I was buying. Before Cohen was age appropriate for Legos, and so <laughs> That's a lot of he inherited a room's worth of Legos when he finally got interested. If he hadn't become interested in Legos, we would have had a problem. But you do like Legos. What's the best Lego set you can think of? Um, the Star Destroyer. The Star Destroyer. What about the Millennium Falcon? Oh, because it opens up and you can play inside of it, right? Yeah, I forgot uh-huh. about that. Yeah, that's pretty epic. Legos have come a long way. Apparently. A long, long yeah. way. But I'll tell you, to make this official, Cohen has been compensated for his appearance on this week's show. Oh, wow. He has a Slurpee and $5. He earned five bucks. Oh, man. That's pretty good, dude. So uh, to earn his airtime, Jesse, I was thinking you could, like you do with any new guest host, Mm -hmm. uh, pull out the the old questions app. Yep. And uh, Jesse, uh, Cohen, Jesse has some questions he wants to ask you to get to know you a little bit better. All right, all right, Cohen. I just pulled it up, and it, it appears I'm at, I'm at a, a string of animal related questions here. So I'm going to let them fly. <laughs> if you could ask an animal uh, one question and get an actual response from the from from them, what would the question be? And what would the animal be? Yeah, what would the animal be too? 
I don't know. <laughs> oh, come on. That's no I good. Would, I would talk, ask Dolphins. I would say, listen, are you really communicating and are you planning a takeover? I need to know. <laughs> I feel like you're really smart. I feel like you're capable of it. Um, okay. If you could be any underwater animal, what would it be and why? Any underwater animal? A whale. A whale. Why? Why would you choose a whale? No, you don't know? You're they the biggest. Get, you're the biggest and coolest. Exactly. Yeah, that's for sure. sure. Gotta worry about getting eaten by another. Yeah, another nothing could bother you. That's yeah. good. Yeah. And yeah, I'll say this, Cohen. Whales seem pretty chill. They, whales don't got anything to worry about. They, <laughs> yeah, they don't got right. any predators. They yeah. just Floating they around. just they just swim around all day, eating plankton, occasionally looking for a disobedient prophet to swallow up and teach a hard <laughs> lesson to. Uh, Cohen, uh, just so if people don't know you, you are how old this year? How old did you turn? Eight. What grade are you in? Second grade. What is your favorite part of school? What's your favorite class? Computer. Computer class. What do you want to be when you grow up? I know I know what you used to answer. You used to say you wanted to be an app developer and an app animator. Developer. Yeah, but what are you yeah. saying this year? What's your new dream this year? App developer. Really? Still an app developer? Yeah. Although last night in the car we learned, Cohen learned, he's like, we were talking about teenagers and you, wait, you... And how te- you're a teenager all the way up until you're 19. And he's like, so you're a teenager when you're also a grown-up? And I was yeah, like, there's a little yeah, bit of yeah, a It's a weird. paradox. There. And then yeah. he's like, yeah. why, why would grown-ups like go to school? And I was like, I was like, well, college after like, high school. Yeah, learn. You got Well, that was the thing. He said, I don't want to go to college. Right. And then, and then I said, but if you want to be an app developer, that's when they teach you how to do that. That's and he true. thought, man, this is a jip. Yeah. <laughs> He wasn't happy about this idea that he has to be in school until he's 22 years old. No, no, no. No, no, no. What kind of what kind of app are you going to develop? And when you make a lot of money developing apps, can I pitch you ideas and maybe get a cut of this action? Because I got app ideas, but I want to hear yours. <laughs> what are your app ideas? Um, hey, I can't think of any. Hey, okay. Cohen, how about it's this? Okay. An app that will let you communicate with dolphins to figure out if they are planning to take <laughs> over. <laughs> I downloaded. I downloaded. I may have downloaded an app that promised to do that and spent considerable amount of money. To my knowledge, it doesn't work. <laughs> okay, we'll move the show along. This was a great year. We actually had a lot of highlights, unlike my self-deprecating uh, banter earlier. Yeah, uh, and it was actually really hard to pick just a handful of best moments. It really was. Um, yeah, it really was. The guest lineup this year, incredible. Um, the cast lineup this year was a little bit of an anomaly for us, if we're honest. You know, normally over the years we've had, you know, we have four cast members and, and, and you know, we have a, a mix of males and females. Uh, this year it was predominantly male driven, which felt odd, not only to us, but to many of you. Yeah. Um, let me just say something, a little, little foreshadowing. We got some news, folks. We got some news. After this week, we got some fun, exciting news. So that's all. Let's leave a cliffhanger, right? Like, I mean, it. we can't give it away. We got to nope. give them a reason to tune back in. in oh, yeah. 2018. 2018 is going to be a little bit different of a dynamic, and it's going to be yep. a lot of fun. Yep. Uh, so, moving the show along. Back in January, we actually aired an interview with This American Life host and creator Ira Glass. The interview went in a sort of unexpected direction with Ira. Um, He's an atheist, but he got telling us about the impact Christians have had on his life and why it's so important for the media to portray Christians more fairly, which is interesting. It's actually a a thread that shows up on their show quite a bit. Here's uh, part of the interview with uh, Ira Glass. 
It's interesting that you say that you feel like Christians get a bad rap in the media because it feels like a lot of the stories that you guys do about people of faith really counter some of those stereotypes. Are those stories that, that you guys seek out? Well, there was a period where we absolutely did, but it was kind of an early period of the show. Like it was a period like 15 years ago. I remember there was one where I went on a mission trip, and I feel like that was like kind of at the height of it. Teenagers got got 1999. Oh wow, so that's a really long time ago. Yeah, so so yeah, so it was like a, it was like the fourth year we were on the air, and and around that time. Like I just, I just was just very aware that, like, at the radio station we were at at WBEZ, like, like we you know it's Chicago, so a lot of people are really devout and and uh, and uh, and mostly evangelical, you know, like, yeah. like not, you know, like some Catholics, but like, but like, so like, you know, it's it's Chicago, and um, and there were a few people, uh, you know, on the staff who were like, like, really Christian in a way that that. You know, like it was like uh, they were out with the Christianity um, in a way that was really lovely, and uh, and you know, people who I really adored and just seemed like model model people and model Christians in every way, and who I really loved talking to in general, but also about religion. And I was aware that the way that Christians were portrayed in the media, in the news, and in and in fiction, uh, in the movies and on TV, seemed totally disconnected from the actual Christians in my life and that and that and that I mean I've said this before like and been quoted on this before a a bunch of times but like but that like in the media it just seemed like whenever there was a Christian character it was like the most doctrinaire stiff-necked you know doesn't listen to anybody kind of corny version of an intolerant person and every Christian I knew was exactly the opposite of that great listeners super concerned about people utterly compassionate and and I was like wow there's a whole there's a whole thing here that isn't being documented and since I'm a documentary producer I just felt like well that's a huge area that basically the media isn't doing a great job documenting so that's obviously like a great area for me to be doing stories in because I felt like the rest of the media was getting it wrong and and uh, and that there just wasn't much press about just the normal way that most people of faith live their lives and, and like, I remember being struck like there was there was this movie Three Kings years ago yeah. and uh, and and in the movie, one of the characters at some point, um, something's going to happen, and he just goes off and prays about it. And it wasn't even like a plot point, you know, like it wasn't like a plot point in the movie. It's just like this is a character with faith, and he went off and prayed on it, and then like the next thing happened. I was just like, I, I re- when that happened, I realized like I have never seen that in a movie of like the normal thing that that millions of people do. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like every day in this country, I was like, how is it that like I'm this old and I have literally never seen that in a movie? That the point wasn't like, oh my God, he's going to pray on it now. Like he's gonna get something from it, and everything's gonna change in this story. Or like, you know, it wasn't like a plot point in the movie. It was just like he's a normal person. He prays. Like yeah. that's like that's a lot of people. And so, so, so this is sort of all out of an impulse that came from that. I have to say, like that was sort of like you know, as a show, like we'll get obsessed with something for a while, and then we won't be obsessed with it anymore. So that was like a, a kind of like a, a minor obsession for a while to do stories on that, just because I felt like well, nobody's doing this very well. Yeah. And uh, yeah, like looking at the thing. Yeah, there was a show that we did in 2000 called Pray. Um, yeah, like there was like there was like a bunch of stuff we were doing because I just felt like this is done so badly in the press. But I feel like it's been years since that. Now, now I feel like when it comes up, you like it, we're not doing we're not intentionally looking for stories like that. It's just in the normal mix of stories. If you're doing stories in America, yeah, includes you know obviously includes people of faith, and you know and then when we cover it, we try to cover it and just document their actual experience.
Yeah, it was a real thrill to have Ira Glass, a legend, a podcasting legend. Um, he's he's one of those guys that kind of, I feel like, laid the groundwork for a lot of uh, podcasts in general. Just people hungry for these bigger stories and engaging with bigger ideas. So it was really cool to have him on the show. And the other thing too, is he's putting out a movie. Um, if people read our magazine story with him, he's working on a movie that actually tells the story of, uh, Carlton Pearson, uh, called come Sunday, which will be out next year. So, um, Carlton Pearson's a uh, controversial Tulsa pastor. On his brand new album, All Things Work Together, Lecrae collaborates with artists including Aha Gazelle, Ty Dolla Sign, Tori Kelly, and others. Earlier this year, when he uh, released the single Blessings, we caught up with Lecrae to talk about collaborating with Ty Dolla Sign. Uh, also, why more rappers are talking about faith and what it's been like receiving criticism from his fellow Christians for, for his activism. What we didn't talk to him about was the um, show-stealing, show-stopping cameo by a middle-aged white guy in his blessings video. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's uh, filmed in LA. Yeah, it, it looked like this gentleman, whoever he was, wandered onto the set. Um, uh, he looked like he was bothering uh, McCray friend and uh, fellow rapper propaganda. Yeah. Uh, it looks like he may have stolen some hot dogs off of a grill that was going in the barbecue scene, but we didn't get to that this year. No, no, Maybe we didn't. next year we'll talk to him about that. No, we didn't. Uh, here is part of our conversation with Lecrae. I know that, uh, you know, Miracles Whatever has a lot of spiritual undertones, but I think for a lot of people that are yeah. maybe familiar with Ty Dolla Sign's catalog, the, the, the collaboration may be a little bit surprising, but it does seem like there's yeah. a lot of artists right now that seem to be very comfortable talking about these ideas yeah. regarding faith. Do you think hip-hop is having sort of a, a, a spiritual revival at the moment? Um, I think it's open to the conversation. You know, I think hip-hop is, is open to the conversation. You got to remember, you know, hip-hop comes from struggle and and oppression and not spirituality. You know, soul music and R&B, all that comes from spirituality. So just to be able to have the conversation is, is dope. And I just want to make sure that I'm a part of it if I can be. And um, I'm grateful for that opportunity. I'm hearing screams and they saying we sold out. Yeah. But I'm hearing screams from the stands Cause we sold out It's so loud I got one life So I spend time trying to live To the next one If you don't like it Cool It is what it is 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 My play too full to sample that dish Listening to Lord, song is Greenlight. Uh, what you might put together is that the music you're hearing on this episode might be on the best of 2017 album list that we published on the website uh, last week. At the beginning of the podcast, you heard Portugal the Man with Live in the Moment. Cohen, how do you think the show is going so far? Good. What would you like to add? That we have not been able to cover so so Nothing. far. Nothing. Nothing. You just enjoying. You just on. Just on board for the ride. <laughs> How's that Slurpee treating you? Fine. What flavor was it? Coca Cola and Co- cherry. Oh, you do the mix. I you like do that. The, I, mean, uh, mix. I mean, um, Mountain Dew and cherry. Mountain Dew and cherry. You do the the kind of the suicide mix. You do all the crazy stuff. Yeah. Now, do you do it like and mix it all up, or do you, do you leave it in like layers so the uh, straw uh, like gets it like it's several different uh, Slurpees? 
I mix it up. You mix it up? Oh, Doesn't yeah. that just taste like garbage? No. Oh, it's delicious. It just tastes like hey, sugar. Hey, 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 Cohen, I got a question for you. Have you ever gotten Starburst and jammed some nerds in it and then <laughs> eaten it? <laughs> what? I've done it once. Have you oh, really? This is yeah. mind-blowing. It was really what? good. I've never even heard of that. Oh yeah, so, man! You, so you, you you just because you know the nerds are hard and kind of pointy. You, <laughs> right, you know, yeah, you can right. really jam them in those Starburst. As Cohen and I can tell you, it's a crunchy, <laughs> it's a crunchy tart delight. Am I right, Cohen? Yeah. What's your favorite kind of candy or weird candy combination you've done? Can you think of so? I mean, you've done a lot of like um, challenges and stuff. He watches these YouTube videos where the kids will like eat crazy food and candy concoctions, uh, and he'll my, recreate them. My favorite. Candy is probably toxic waste. What's toxic, toxic waste? waste? It's like I've a super um, sour candy. It's oh. basically like warheads, but like 10 times sour. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. I got to try yeah. this. You got to try them. Yeah, I've never, Cram them into your noun later. Hey, hey, hey Cohen, I got, a, I got a question for you, man. You're plugged yeah? in on the scene. You're, you're, you're on YouTube. You know what the kids are into. Is slime, <laughs> is slime pretty big right now? Are kids making slime? Kind of. What would you say was the biggest YouTube trend of 2017? Um, the challenges stuff or, or slime or what? Probably the challenges. Mm-hmm. What kind you, of challenges? Oh, the, it's like they'll just film each other like doing a blind taste test thing or like, yeah. like, oh. hot, like hot sriracha sauce on Skittles. Stuff like oh, that. Mm. And then they just film each other's reactions. On Skittles. That's the one thing I've never heard sriracha sauce put on. C- Cohen, have you dabbled in any of these challenges? It's his dream, though. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, one of the big plans I mean, for 2018, Cohen's yeah. uh, wanted to launch his own YouTube channel or several, yes. several channels. Well, yes. What are, the, what, what are they going to be about? Categories. Yeah. Um, you one, want, will, one will probably be about just like weird stuff. Weird stuff. Like he what? wants to call it the, the Cohen's weird channel. The weird channel. Oh, Co- yeah. Cohen, I got I got something to tell you. I've had the exact same idea for a YouTube channel. It's going to be called the Weird <laughs> Channel because I, I too, like weird stuff and have a lot of weird stuff I like to put on YouTube. So maybe we can collaborate sometime. Yeah. yeah. And then he wants to do a gaming channel, right? Yes. And then uh, do you want to do like a challenges unboxing type channel or? I'll do, I'll probably do at least like two more. Two other channels? Yeah, probably like four channels. Um, I read that some six-year-old makes $11 million a year off YouTube revenue. Wow. Really? That's, yeah. that's insane. Yeah. You only get five bucks for podcasting. I mean, you're going <laughs> to... Yeah, it sounds pretty lucrative to me. Well, you got to start somewhere. I, yeah. I had no idea putting weird stuff on the internet was so lucrative. <laughs> <laughs> because I got a lot of weird stuff that's up in the noodle, and I would love to disseminate it online. If we're talking $11 million, you know, I better get busy. This week's episode is brought to you by Quip Toothbrush. With Quip, you don't have to worry about getting a new brush heads or or toothpaste. They're delivered right to your door on schedule so you can replace your brush on time and have better oral hygiene at an affordable price with the sleekest design you've ever seen for an electric toothbrush. The Quip toothpaste tastes fresh, strengthens your teeth, and gives your mouth the perfect minty clean feeling. Quip's subscription model is a thoughtful, inexpensive solution for people who want to make it easy to keep up with the simple habits that will improve their oral health. Let Quip do the thinking for you when it comes to your teeth. Quip starts at just $25, and right now, uh, relevant podcast listeners can go to getquip.com slash relevant to get your first refill pack for free with a Quip electric toothbrush. That's your first refill pack free at getquip.com slash relevant, spelled G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash relevant. 
That sounds like a great New Year's resolution for some people. To like up their dental hygiene game in the new year. And this is a hey, this is this is how you do it. There you go. Well, this year, the podcast made a new friend when comedian John Chris sat in as a special guest host for a couple of episodes. During his first appearance, uh, which was in studio with us yeah. earlier in the year, we tested John's true knowledge of Christian culture with a quiz that measured just how much of an expert in church fashion, music, and entertainment he really is. Here's a clip of our interrogation of comedian John Christ. All right, all right, all right, all right John. What did the famous Abercrombie and Fitch Christian parody t-shirt? Bread, crumb, and fish. Bread, crumb, and fish. You're going to be fine. You're going to be fine. You're going to be fine. You're one for one. Okay, this is a little bit harder. Like I said, I'm easing you into this thing, man. The, the t-shirt that said, catch up with Jesus, and had a bottle of ketchup on it, yeah. also included what slogan? Bless well, from my head to my toes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I have this shirt, but I can't remember what. Yeah. Pass it on, exclamation point, or don't be left behinds. Oh. Ooh, like it was for sure ketchup. a. Oh, yeah. Bless from head to my toes is correct. Yeah, ding, for ding, sure. Ding, ding, yeah, ding, yeah, ding. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You are two for two, my oh, friend. Man, All right, now it's time for the Christian direct to video round. Oh, I don't Christian know. Christian direct to video round. I didn't round. have TV growing up, but I'll try it. Really? Is that no the Mennonite or yeah. era yeah. or the Vineyard era? No TV in the in the house growing up. Really? Wow. Were you allowed to see movies and stuff? Uh, well, my brother snuck in a Weezer CD in a Michael W. Smith case. Ooh. <laughs> oh. yeah. So it wasn't yeah. just like hide it in the backpack. No, we had to go, put it in yeah. a different case. Yeah, different, That's a pro in a Christian move, case. Yeah, 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 yeah. Come on. It's a good brother. Yeah. Okay. Well, he All had right, to rely the, on his the, brother because the parents would forget about him. Yeah, for sure. The funny thing about these jokes is that that's a comic love lives for this. Right. For like, like sick dark humor. Right. Like Where's that. the little like, <laughs> like this camera? Did, you don't know me, but to make to have the confidence to make a joke like right. that after just, meeting me for five minutes, right. I, I love this guy. Let's find yeah, the deep yeah. core That's thing the, yeah. and just play with that. There's yeah. nothing. There's right. nothing that if you can. Mark Lowry, you know who Mark Lowry is. Yeah, of course, okay. your hero, my hero. Yeah, <laughs> I was hanging out with him, and he told me a story. He told me about uh, this is how uh, this is the brain of a comic, right? So his he was in the hospital when his mom died. Mm -hmm. His mom died. Him and his dad were there, and his mom died. And right before she died, she goes, I, "This is a true story. I think I see lights." And that was the last thing she said before she died. And so they was all sad. Everybody's crying. They get back to the car. His dad gets in the car. He gets in the car. His dad goes, "Man, that was crazy." Mom said, "I think I see lights," and Mark says. You think it was flames? Oh, <laughs> hilarious, oh, dude. Oh, hilarious. <laughs> I will never tell a better time joke in my life. Hilarious. Because too soon doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. Not for a comic. No, no, no. But it, for, someone, for someone with a soul, yeah, right. yeah maybe probably too soon. But generally, right. isn't that like that? You think That's that was, great. you think that, how therapeutic was uh -oh. that for his dad? All right, we're in the direct to video yeah. Christian movie round. Okay, yeah. Now it's going to, I feel like we, we, we set you up, you know, you're warmed up. You're two for two All at this point. Good. Okay. This is a direct to video round. Which of these terrible things uh, did Nick uh, not do in an episode of McGee and Me? Okay, okay. So all of these were terrible things he did. Except uh, one. Was he complicit in the vandalization of an elderly Native American man's home? Did he sneak into a film called Night of the Blood Freaks Part 4? Did he inadvertently start a massive wildfire and blame it on an orphan? Or did he become an arrogant jerk after winning a game show? He did three of those things. He did not do one. Which one is it? Well, I think it was the movie, but I'm pretty sure it was part three. 
That's the only. No, no I'm just joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> what's the What's the name of the movie again? Uh, Night of the Blood Freaks Part Four. Okay, I know he did the last one, and I know he did the second to last one. That you have any of it in your head is what's really the first one again. The The first one is that he is complicit in the vandalization of an elderly yeah, Native that. American yeah, man. That was, a, that was a moving episode. That's a very special one, episode. Yeah. What's everybody's traumatized by what when the a tree branch came through the house? Remember that one? I remember the elderly Native American man is holding like a rabbit the whole yeah, time. Right. That also looks very sad. Oh, that's the same as like in in Home Alone when he's uh, like the, the guy. That's in the right. tree. Scary. Yeah, the scary neighbor. Uh, I'm not confident in this. I'm gonna like if I could like uh, phone a friend, somebody over at Focus on the Family, that I'm gonna say <laughs> B. Uh, the correct answer is he inadvertent the one where he inadvertently started a massive wildfire and blamed it on an orphan. He did okay, not he did do that. that. I should have known that yeah. orphan. Yeah, yeah that the orphan, the yeah. little orphan pick. <laughs> should, yeah, yeah, right. Because uh, yeah. yeah. right, the wildfire storyline was clearly happened. Clearly, yeah. yeah, that, yeah. 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 But you're not going to bring orphans into it. And the, yeah, and the, uh, the skateboarding rude. down the hill. The uh, which one was that? The that, skateboard oh, race. Yeah, oh, that was so skate, I actually was doing my expectations. Skate expectations. It was called skate expectations. That's the one where the title comes first. Yeah, yeah. All these are the trash bags. Questions about Bible Man and Bible okay. Man. All right, yeah. take it away, Jesse. Okay, oh, wasn't the, that the guy from uh, uh, yeah, Charles in Charge? Enough. He should yeah. be a Christian. Bible Man, you're playing he that is character. The char- he, he is the Charles okay. in Charge okay. guy. Okay. Yeah, good, I good, think good. he's got yeah, some got issues, but but you know, who am I to judge? He okay. had a lot of issues. He yeah. like uh, very serious <laughs> issues, and then kind of came back to the Lord, and then went away and had the issues again and Whoa. then came back to and the Lord. Has, hasn't, been, has, hasn't been seen in the last eight years. No one. Yeah. What are we supposed to do? Just forgive him for that? <laughs> <laughs> Get out. I'd dude. still let him put on a robot oh, I mean, suit and be on. Bible man. I don't need my and, Bible and man. leave messages me. for your children. Yeah. I think it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> no problem. Yeah. All right. Which of the following was not an actual villain on the show Bible man? All of these were <laughs> except for one. <laughs> Dr. Decepto. Oh, it's like um, Dr. Okay. Blacker. It's a freebie. Yeah. <laughs> Professor Stumbling Block. Oh, oh God, that's going to be fake. R- Rapscallion P. Sinister. <laughs> are these all fake? <laughs> no, the, so four out of the five are real. One is not. People the Fibbler, who is like the Riddler that tells lies, the Fibbler. <laughs> and then uh, uh, like uh, a, a one that's called Too Cool for School, but you should know the that it's The spelling is the digit two, K- and then K-U-L, Too Cool, oh, yeah. four, the digit four, then S-K-U-L. There was always one cool one, wasn't there, in all those shows? Yeah. A little edgy. Yeah. Like in Pound Puppies, there was the one guy that had like the cool jacket on. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember? For school, was it? He's got a pop collar and sunglasses oh, yeah. inside. He's a rebel. He's a rebel. I'm going to go yeah. with B. Professor Stumbling Block is correct. Not a true one. Not a true one. Oh, That's right. That is, so you, you're three for four right now, John. On, Not well, the, fir- the first one, if I would have thought about it, I would have had more time. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. All yeah, right, the next I mean, one is... Also, I don't even know if I want to be good at this game. Is it? Is it? Yeah, it's kind of a bummer, because I haven't yeah. done many of these. <laughs> I was like, oh, I, I win. Wait, but do I? Your, your career is predicated on the fact that you're great at it, but yeah. I just wish for you you'd had a better life. <laughs> you know what's funny about the, this interview, this this segment, is I listened back to that episode to try to find, you know, that, that what they just heard, some in and out points. John was very apprehensive when he first came into the studio with us. Yeah, you yeah. know, he had to ease into this thing. But I like to think that we did actually make a new friend because he, like I said, he it wasn't he wasn't comfortable right away. He was trying to feel us out a little. But you know, we got some interesting background on him. You know, you know, I'll tell you, we have become friends. Uh, you know how you know you have become friends when How's they that? when they awkwardly tell you some really really messed up dark secrets about them. Oh, and yeah. that's happened between me and John. Oh, so uh, was I, it you telling him or him telling you? Him telling me. <laughs> 
So, <laughs> and let's share them now. Here, here is Cameron reading a text exchange in the middle of the night with John Chris about secret sins and some very, very dark things in his past. <laughs> oh, man. That was shameful things about John Chris. Next up. <laughs> Well, David and Lisha Radford are the husband and wife indie folk duo, The Grey Havens. They stopped by the Relevant Studios this year to perform a few songs for us off their brand new album, Ghost of a King. They they not only uh, showed off their incredible harmonies, but also some instruments we've never seen before. Live from the Relevant Studios, here is The Grey Havens performing Train Station. Track and made him there, so he never comes back. 
We felt the stone beneath us break And he came back, he came back anyway And there was love, and there was Chandler, help me out, man. What is that crazy instrument that she's playing that that makes that weird horn like sound? It's a melodica. A melodica. I don't. It, 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 never... It's like a it's like a small keyboard that you blow in one end, but then you play it like like a you know like a keyboard. Melodica. Have you ever played a melodica, Cohen? No, but I've seen one. I have one. I you have one. Sometime. Yeah. Cohen, what? I think someone just gave us a great idea for our Weird Stuff YouTube channel. <laughs> episode one, the Melodica. The Melodica episode. Perfect. There you go. Well, Damon Lindelof is best known as being one of the creators of the hit TV series Lost, and more recently, the co-creator of HBO's spiritually inspired sci-fi series The Leftovers, largely hailed as one of the best TV shows of 2017. I think in our office... Uh, we said it is the best TV show 2017. Yeah, did yeah. we not did we not publish that this month? No, we did. Yeah, yeah for sure. Well, this year we talked to Damon about the show, which is based on a rapture-like event and his own religious background. We also, of course, asked him about the smoke monster from Lost. Here's part of that interview. So obviously, the, I mean, this big uh, event, this departure, the sudden departure, uh, is some form. Well, seems to be some form of at least draws on references uh, the Christian idea of the rapture that's rooted in you know very specific you know, kind of traditions uh, with you know things called uh, dispensationalism, and you know it's been portrayed in novels like Left Behind, um, in a couple different movie versions of the same the same stories, etc. I mean, do. You, where does that do you have experience with those kind of things? Did you grow up in a religious or conservative home where you would have had ex- exposure to this kind of idea? No, um, you know, I mean, the my religious foundation was primarily Judaism, um, and uh, my father was raised Lutheran, mm-hmm. but by the time I was born, he wasn't really, uh, he was pretty much a self-defined atheist. <laughs> and my mom was uh, culturally Jewish, and um, and uh, I was bar- I, I went to uh, Hebrew school and was bar mitzvahed, but not really ever, you know, a, a, a believer um, in the in the most strictest sense of the word, but obviously had a lot of instruction on the Old Testament and always liked uh, Bible stories and was fascinated um, by Bible stories um, in terms of uh, what both their, you know, was I supposed to take these things literally? You know, uh, you know, was there actually a flood? Was there really an Abraham and Isaac? Um, uh, what did Moses actually part the Red Sea or were these more parables? Um, and, um, and then as I grew older, as I began to be, um, you know, kind of go out into the world and 
uh, read and uh, experience people who had different religious upbringings than I did became fascinated by Christianity and um, and the same questions uh, you know because I felt like the foundation of my Jewish faith was that these things weren't supposed to be taken literally, that they were more parables, and yeah. that I didn't need to believe that Jonah was actually swallowed by a whale, but that the Christians that I encountered believed um, that Jesus was, uh, ev- that everything that happened in the New Testament was to be taken literally. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was a, that was in a sort of a fascinating uh, process uh, for me. Um, in terms of oh, this wasn't a metaphor this was this was literal and so when i when i I've always kind of known about the idea of the rapture, certainly as popularized by you know the left behind uh, series, and then every once in a while you know one of these um, you know kind of uh, doomsday prophets coming forward and saying uh, this is the the end of the world is nigh et cetera et cetera but then Prada actually did a lot of research on um, on on the rapture and uh, uh, the um, the the different interpretations and the you know the premillennialists and the postmillennialists yeah. and so he you know um, when, when it when it comes to the actual rapture and my understanding um, from Tom was and again I he did all this research before I met him so I took his word for it is that the word rapture never appears in the New Testament right. um, they that it's it's really an extrapolation of uh, a lot of uh, things in revelations um, uh, in 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 terms of oh this is what's gonna this is the sequence of events basically leading leading into and through the end times um, and so uh, in 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 basically everything that I knew about the rapture prior to meeting Parado was in that Mimi Rogers David Duchovny movie entitled The Rapture. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. And something tells me that it is it wasn't like strictly canonical uh, to uh, to revelations, although um, you know it, it certainly was not afraid to quote uh, Bible verse. <laughs> well then great. Well then how about this? How about one more question? Can you tell me what happened to the smoke monster? What happened to it at the end of the, at the very end of the show? Yeah, what happened what uh, what happened with it? I guess I should say I, I feel like. Uh, the consensus around the office was if we're if we're talking to the creator of Lost, everybody wanted to know more about the smoke monster. Well, you know, I mean, everything is subject to interpretation, but I, I guess that um, the conventional thinking is that the smoke monster uh, um, uh, took it's kind of taken the form of John Locke for the majority of the end game of the final season, and its intention was to um, was to destroy the island that that would. And the island was functioning as a cork for um, all sorts of unpleasantness and evil in the world that would have been freed had it uh, achieved its goal. And fortunately, uh, Jack Shepard uh, um, uh, sacrificed his life um, in the great messianic tradition um, to stop this from happening and uh, and defeated and destroyed the smoke monster in the process. So um, that's the that's the. I think that's the conventional uh, answer to the question, and I, uh, I can't disagree with it. I, this made me appreciate, uh, you know, our 
Aaron Hanbury, one of our uh, editors who was with us for a while, uh, his interviewing skills because you know, uh, you know, basically the interview wraps and Aaron just goes, "So what? I was, what's up with the smoke monster?" It was it was a bold move, but uh, hey, it was move. what the people wanted to know. You yeah. know, that's I t- journalism one hundred and one. Before before he went into that interview, I actually planted that seed. I'm like, hey, if you get out of this interview and don't ask him about that smoke monster, I don't know, like, what was it doing the first few episodes or first few seasons, and then why didn't it come up at the end of the season? I'm like, what happened right. to it? Why yeah. was it tormenting everybody and then just kind of went away? But his it, answer was extremely satisfying. Oh, dude, it was very satisfying, and we published yeah. it as a sidebar to the piece in the print yeah. magazine. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. All right, stay tuned. More Best Of coming up after this. My left stroke just went viral. Right stroke, put little baby in the Soprano C, we like to keep it on the high note. It's levels to it, you and I know. Tell them be humble. Hold up, sit down. Be humble. Sit down. Be humble. Sit down. Be humble. Sit down. Be humble. If you struggle with pornography, you're not alone. The truth is, you cannot fight it alone. Pornography thrives in secrecy and shame. Freedom comes through transparency and accountability. Experience victory with Covenant Eyes. Use promo code RELEVANT2018 to receive 30 days free. Just go to CovenantEyes.com, click on the green sign-up button, and use promo code RELEVANT2018 to get your first 30 days free. You're listening to Kendrick Lamar. Song is humble. You like that song, don't you? Yes. Humble. We were singing. Well, sort of. What? What's your favorite artist right now, Cohen? I don't know. Favorite album of 2017, Cohen Strang. Oh, I don't know. Too many things to pick from. You like pop music, though, don't you? Yeah. Who do you think my favorite artist is? Drake. Yeah, that's right. It's Drake. I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> good, you yeah, told you, you told me your favorite kind of music was uh, Christian music, right? Yeah, Christian hip hop. Christian hip hop. What's nice. your favorite song? Feel it. Feel it. Toby Max. Feel it is Cohen Strang's pick for best song of 2017. Yes, wow. I love let's, it. Let's can we hear a clip? Yeah, let's hear a clip. Let's do it. Some, got some real fuel to it. Cohen, you know, your dad has a history with Toby Mac. I don't know if he's ever told you that, but he's actually encountered him on many occasions. Did, did you know that me and Toby Mac go way back? I go, I the, the Mac is back, no slack. I, I really haven't told you the story about me no. and Toby Mac. We had a beef. We had yeah. to squash it. We had to squash a beef. Me and Toby <laughs> Mac had a beef. Did you know that? You didn't know that. I don't even know what a beef is. A beef is like we had a a disagreement. Not really disagreement. Yeah. It was just kind of uh, like kind of like, like a, a rival, like a little yeah. feud, a little rivalry. Yeah. Yeah, me and rivalry. Toby Mac. There, there you go. Yeah. Did you know that? Yeah. It's true. You yeah. could ask your mom about it. Well, moving the show along. Uh, Jen Hatmaker is a best-selling author and a popular speaker. In her latest book uh, of mess and moxie, which is what. Uh, uh, Jesse's uh, Twitter bio is. Yeah, uh, it's. Yeah, I mean, I get I get royalties from that book because <laughs> people have just been saying that for years. So mess and Moxie, that old Jesse, you know. 
I like to emphasize the moxie. Most people just think about the mess. But either way, you, you know, I don't want to steal Jen's thunder. Jen uh, discusses why authenticity is so important, even if it's difficult at times. Well, this year she was on the podcast and we talked with her about how social media has has changed the way we relate to one another and the deep need to be honest about what you're going through with the people that are closest to you. Here's part of that interview. What do you think in terms of people seeing who you really are, um, seeing the mess to use the term words that, uh, that you use in the title of the book, um, what's the right way to go about that? Because you don't want to stress people out by, uh, by just being a jerk all the time because this is just who I really am. I'm not a nice person. But also you don't want to be right. fake. And so what is there a balance there or is there a principle there that people can use? I think authenticity online certainly can swing sort of from one extreme to the other and neither are actually any good. There's this this fake authenticity that it's like low-hanging fruit. You know, anybody can post um, a messy picture or something that's really low in cost. Like, oh, I'm just a real person, which is all true. We are, everybody's a real person. So it's not like that's a lie, but there's a brand of that type of transparency um, that has some real like quick rewards, but it doesn't cost you anything. Uh, You can still, behind that barrier, you can still hide everything substantial, everything that's meaningful, anything that is sincerely um, genuine about your life. And then like you just mentioned, you could swing the other way where it's just too much on display. There is no filter. There's nothing held back. There is absolutely nothing off the table of public consumption. And that's just as not only unhealthy, but exhausting um, to have to digest from somebody all the time. So I think there's something in the middle um, that feels right to me where where your authenticity is going to cost you something because it means at least in certain areas where it's wise and where it's prudent, you are going to peel back the curtain a little bit and reveal something hard, um, something that involves struggle or loss or failure. You know, that's not a thing we generally like to share um, or disappointment and, and put that out there. And, and that's risky. It is. It's risky and you don't know specifically what the response to that will be. And so that my experience with that brand um, of authenticity where, uh, where, where it matters, um, I have found that in general, it draws people in far more than it pushes people away because uh, it sort of creates the space for other people to say, oh, me too. Yeah, me too. I, I've done that. I've, I've struggled with that. I failed in the same way. Um, and it, it's good. I think that's good for the community to neither chase the lie of um, sort of a fake happy life where nothing really has any cost or the opposite where everything is a disaster. Every day is a mess. Um, everything is in the weeds. And so something in the middle is somewhere where I think it's more true. Cameron, you know what I liked about that the part of that interview we chose? Yeah. What? The the Moxie. I feel I, like we <laughs> I feel like we could have gone mess, we could have gone Moxie. And I felt like, you know, it feels this is the part of the show we need some Moxie. Yeah. So I let's feel see like the Moxie. We've talked about this before. 
Uh, we talk about Jesse's mess, mess and his moxie pretty much every week on the podcast, buddy. Yeah, it's his. That's why. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Singer, songwriter, and worship leader Cody Carnes uh, stopped by the Relevant Studio this year for a special live performance of songs from his debut album, The Darker the Night, The Brighter the Morning. Here he is performing his song, Hold It All. Great. 
The darker the night, the brighter the morning. You're in control. The greater the fight, the greater your glory. I'll tell you, Cohen, if I had worked at 7-Eleven and I saw you mixing Mountain Dew and Cherry, you know what I look at you and say? What? That's that's a mess, but it also shows moxie, and I like it. I like it. That's, a mess. that's what that drink is. Your drink is of mess, mess, mess and moxie. Yeah. So, yeah, there you go. Well, Anthony Anderson is the co-creator and star of the critically acclaimed sitcom Blackish. The show features an upper middle class African-American family as they navigate social issues, faith, and the modern political climate. Early this year, we spoke with Anthony about why comedy is such a powerful tool to affect real change. Here's part of that interview. Given the amount of support that you have from the network and and uh, obviously you guys' ability to tackle big issues, is there anything that you would like to see the show take on in the future? Any issues that you feel like would be that Blackish is especially well suited to take on that you guys haven't dealt with explicitly yet? Well, we don't know. You know, we're, it's not like we're Law and Order and we're snatching you know headlines out of the papers like, oh, let's talk about this. What we pride ourselves on is dealing with divisive topics that will bring a group of people to the table that have different philosophies. And our show and the subject that we're dealing with will be the catalyst of this conversation. And by the end of that conversation that they have, hopefully they leave that table have a, having a better understanding of the person that they sat across from. You know, we want to do shows and talk about things that are organic to these characters and to this family. This family and our show has a very distinctive point of view and we wanted we, we will continue to talk about things that you know affect our community but more importantly it's affected family and how they deal with that from racism to sexism to ageism to the n-word to uh, gun violence you know to, to mental health uh, homosexuality we we deal with it all and I, I think we deal with it very, I'm not going to say gently, but, you know, we deal with it from every point of view. So everyone has, has an opportunity to voice their opinion, good, bad, or indifferent about it. And I think, we, I think we're very fair in that, in, in dealing with things and how they affect our family and our community. So there's not a subject that's out there that, you know, is like, oh, we, we're chumping at the bit to talk about. You know, we we will talk about it organically and, and, and fit it in how it fits in with, with, with our characters and with our story.
You're listening to Future Islands. The song is Ran. That would be, I, I don't want to say the highlight uh, concert of the of 2017 for me, but I'll never forget seeing uh, Future Islands uh, at South by Southwest with you, Jesse. That was yeah, a great, great Mohawk, um, the legendary venue, uh, Mohawk. Well, well, let me ask you this. What was the best concert? Because that might be my number one. I'm trying to think. I mean, I, I went to a town. We saw a bunch of Lollapalooza, but... No band had the kind of energy that I feel like that Future Island show did. What was your favorite yeah. live performance you saw all of last year? I, I mean, on the other end of the spectrum, that would be my most like, I mean, it was people were crammed in there and it, it was, was so much energy yeah. in the crowd. It was so small. That would be maybe my favorite. I mean, maybe the best and most biggest show of the big stuff. You know, seeing Arcade Fire is never a letdown. Yeah. You know? And Chance hometown, and, Chicago and I saw show. Chance the rapper hometown. I saw yeah. him at an arena. I mean, both of those would would go on my list as well. But yeah, there's a lot of good shows. A lot of good shows. Yeah. yeah, you should travel with us. You know, we go we go do stuff. We go to yeah. South by every year. We go to Lala every year. I gotta be here and edit the podcast every week. <laughs> <laughs> nah, we'll just do it from the road. No, yeah, you don't, come worry, don't worry about it, dude. It's <laughs> listen. Show some moxie and <laughs> get on a plane. <laughs> <laughs> and figure it out, man. Just, you know, if you Maybe need to work. stay up a little late, just, you know, cram some Starburst and Skittles and just, you know, <laughs> jolt dip. the system and oh, do yeah. what you need to do, man. You know, yeah. in recent months, Bible teacher, speaker and writer Beth Moore says she's lost a major portion of her audience after speaking out this year about the current uh, political climate in America and calling out Christian leaders who tolerate things like you know, immorality and, and abuse from people in power. Recently, we spoke with Beth about why it's so important to speak out, no matter what the consequences will be. Powerful. Here's part of that interview. What I spoke out about was what I found so disturbing coming from my own world. You know, when... I felt personally about it because this is the evangelical world that I've been part of all of my life and served for 40 out of 60 of my years. And I've never thought that world was perfect, um, no more perfect than than I was or any other individual within it. We're, we're what make it up. But I would have believed in, that generally speaking, it was true, and I, I want to see if I can explain sure. that, 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 we're, that what, we, what we appeared to be was what we, to a large extent, were. And I think that what hit me with such uh, concern over these last 18 months is that I, I felt that its most public witness in politics, I'm talking about not all, but just in some very, very influential areas of evangelical leadership, that I felt like the public witness of it seemed to be, uh, it felt to me dishonest. Mm -hmm. And I, I know that's saying a lot, and I've thought carefully about the word I want to use, but it seemed to me that the candidacy was not represented as a quandary it was instead represented as this long-awaited victory. Do, do you understand what I'm saying? Yes, yes. And that instead of being treated as the messi the messiness that it really, really was, because it just really was, and it really was a quandary, but instead of being treated as the messiness it was, it, it bordered on the near messianic. 
Mm-hmm. To me. Oh, yeah. For, I mean, just seeing, yeah. I, I, I just was like, it was like, this is all our hopes and dreams come true. And, and people were buying it. And I'm just going to tell you something. If you're going to sell me something, sell me what it really is. And I, I feel this way in every meaningful sphere of, of life, Tyler, whether it's in a church context, a political context, news, media, it, a social context, relational context. I don't care what it is. But don't put a bike in front of me and try to, tell it, to sell it to me as a truck. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm just, mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not going to buy that. I, you know, I don't care how enthusiastic the sales pitch is or how long it goes on or how winsome and loyal the salesman is or how much I even like him or her. I just, if, if, it's, if it's a bike, I want to call it a bike. I don't want to call it a truck. You know, I'm, I'm willing to rub my eyes and put on a pair of glasses <laughs> and do my best to make sure I'm not having vision problems. But if I keep seeing two slender wheels and a set of handlebars, I'm probably going to say, that is not a truck. That is a bike. And, you know, I, I, I know that I'm just having to somehow uh, appeal to a metaphor here. But here's, here's the thing. If I don't mind talking about the bike. Mm-hmm. I, I might not have mm-hmm. wanted to be on the back of it, but I could I could take an honest approach to what we're dealing with. Uh, there there were people that thought this is this is our only way forward. This is the only way we can go where we need to go. Okay, I I can I can understand that. I might not want to get on that vehicle, mm-hmm. but I can I can understand that. I can have that conversation. Sure. Just don't keep selling me on a truck. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know if I've made my point at, with any clarity at all or if that makes the least bit of sense. But that's how I felt. That I felt like, and I didn't feel like it was just me. I had concerns for the people of God that we were being sold, that we kept being sold something that wasn't so it was mm-hmm. not what it was painted to us and mm-hmm. it i found it deeply disturbing i feel like that was maybe one of the, our most unexpected um interviews of the year and, and that's nothing against beth moore but that's not typically what you if you're familiar with her writings for all, all these years you know it's surprising in a really cool way that she's become such an outspoken advocate for change. She has, she's always been a phenomenal Bible teacher and, and, you know, uh, speaker and author. She's turned in this year. She's stepped into, uh, the mantle of prophet. You know, I yeah. think she is yeah. a, a voice in the wilderness and it is important uh, what she's saying right now. Yeah. She's always been brilliant. It's just, yeah. yeah, she's, she's not afraid. She's shown how not unafraid she is to rock the boat in a very good way. That's right. Well, in May, like I do every year, we went to Montana with a, a group of guys with a, from a variety of backgrounds, including singer songwriter, Brady Toops, who was on the trip with us. And this year, Jesse got to go with us uh, yeah. for the first time. Well, we uh, had to record the podcast from Montana because you know the show must go on. We got yeah. the moxie. We got to get it. We got to get it done. <laughs> um, and while we were there, we we actually grabbed Brady and and uh, he grabbed his acoustic guitar and and we kind of mic'd this room uh, very unprofessionally. And he played a brand new song off his album Tried and True. Here is Brady Toops live from a dining room in Montana. 
Their song without love, I've lost the reason, and I cannot find the rhyme. I feel my heart still beating, my blood don't feel alive. Without love, I'm half a man, without love, I'm all machine. And it's awful hard to balance when you're caught out in between the wages of your living, but a heart that helps you breathe. Won't you blow up all of these sails? Won't you guide my wounded ship? Lord, I'm lost out on these waters, in the distance I've kept. Without love, I'm just an engine, and I'm working overtime. Oh, underneath this starlight, won't you take me with the tide? Without love, I'm half a man. Without love, I'm all machine, and it's awful hard to balance when you're caught out in between the wages of your living, but a heart that helps you bleed. The time to hold back, but I ain't got the time to believe. 'Cause it's so hard to balance when you cut out in between the wages of your living, but all that helps you bleed. That was awesome. Uh, yeah. The the less yeah, I mean, the less everything considered, like it turned out so well. The less produced, the better. In yeah, my mind. Like yeah. I hate it when these sounding. artists come in with all these like tracks and they're trying to like everything make perfect everything and polished. It's like literally stereo, stick a yeah. mic in the room and let's see what you got. Right. That That's was just a guitar that was there too. Like he's yeah. like tuning it moments before. Like he never played that guitar before. And it was breakfast time and he <laughs> had, we didn't even ask him if he wanted to do it. We just yeah. saw him at breakfast. We're so like, hey, right. can you do this? He's like, all right, sure. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, it's cool. Well, not only is Tony Hale the star of two of TV's most acclaimed comedies, Veep and Arrested Development, but he's also a devout Christian. This year, uh, Tony came on the podcast and we spoke to him about his faith and how he stays so grounded even as his fame continues to grow. Here's part of our interview with Tony Hale.
What have you personally learned from playing so many different characters who are really defined by their dependence on other people? I think we live in a society that's ingrained. I think people being independent, I think that word is really wonderful, but I think it's been so um, over-glorified in the sense of like, she's independent, he's independent, they're independent. When in actuality, no one... No one sees the value in like healthy dependence. Everybody can kind of say codependent is wrong, which I also agree that's unhealthy, but healthy dependence and where what's wrong with like needing healthy relationships, needing other people to speak into our lives and needing, you know, community. It's like, that's not talked about. It's always like, Oh, I can do this myself. I'm independent. It's like, I hear you, but what's wrong with kind of healthy dependence and really knowing that we need each other. We need each other to speak into each other's lives. Yeah, Tony Hale, man, it's crazy to see his, like we said in that bio, his fame grow because he he is like one of the most decorated supporting actors in TV right now. Uh, you know, a, a lot of people, um, you know, think about the success of Veep and nothing to take away from Julia Louise Dreyfus, but this year in particular, Tony Hale was like the standout of that whole show. Um, but it, it's always fun to hear his perspective. And and Arrested Development is coming back too. So that's right. Well, there are a lot more highlights this year, and those are just some of the some of the ones that uh, we want to uh, reflect back on. But honestly, uh, there was just such so many hours of amazing guests and and artists that have joined us this year. Hey, we just want to take this minute to uh, to say thank you all for listening. Um, it means a lot to us that you uh, join us every week for this show and that so many of you have been with us for so many years. I mean, it's actually amazing. Yeah. Um, just this week, you know, it's the holiday season. A lot of people are traveling. We have had tours come through this, through our new studio every day. Big tours. People drove down from Wyoming. People that, you know, I'll, I, from other cities. And I'll say like, well, why, what are you doing in Orlando? And they're like, literally we came to visit you guys. Like we were a few hours away and we made the trip over to, yeah. to, to see, to see the studio. Uh, they're longtime listeners and they've someone brought gifts, things that they made. It's just so cool to see the connection with you guys. And it means a lot to us. We just, um, we just want you to know how grateful we are for making this show possible by you listening. Yeah. And for all the, the feed, I mean, even just like something taking the time to send us feedback and, and hit us up on Twitter and playing along with our running jokes, it, it, it does mean the world. And as, as much fun as 2017 was, I think about all the cool stuff we have in store next year in the podcast, in the magazine, online, and in all our different avenues. And I'm really excited that, uh, you know, we, we get to continue to grow, but mostly uh, to continue to interact with the people who have been supporting us for a long time. One of the things about my personality is I, I, I hate, I don't hate, I just don't tend to look backwards. I'm excited more about looking forwards. And so these best of the year things are, are like, whoa, this was a good year, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. but we've come a long way. This is really cool. Um, but you know, I really, what Jesse just said is so true. I am so excited about what's coming in 2018. If you are uh, listening to this the first week in January, maybe head, up, head over on your browser over to relevantmagazine.com. There's a completely new website. Yeah. And uh, we, we relaunched the site uh, just now at the beginning of the year. We will be adding a ton of new features and elements and sections to it. Um, we launched off a big new section uh, partnership called Love and Money uh, in January. And, 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 
in all the areas we're doing. Uh, our new studios, uh, there will be daily, weekly, and kind of prestige video content being created. Uh, watch our YouTube channel. Watch Facebook. There's going to be literally daily content coming out of Relevant. Watch my new YouTube channel. Watch Cohen's new YouTube <laughs> channel. Um, and and uh, the Relevant Podcast Network. We've had you know five, six shows. Uh, we've been kind of taking a crawl, walk, run approach to the network. In 2018, we're going to be running. Uh, there's a lot of new shows coming down the pipeline, some big announcements uh, where we can't wait to tell you. And and like I uh, alluded to, even this show itself, Big New Era kicks off in January. Uh, yeah, cannot wait for you to be part of it. So everyone, thanks for an amazing 2017. Happy New Year. Merry, Merry Christmas. Christmas. There you go. Happy New Year. And uh, here's to a great 2018 as well. Yes. On that note, we'll wrap it up. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Chandler Strang. I'm Cohen Strang. I'm Jesse Carey. For Eddie Koffoltz, uh, Andre Henry, Propaganda, all the other people that have been on the show this year. We'll see you next week. for listening to The Relevant Podcast. If you like what you heard, be sure to leave us a review on iTunes. Check out other shows from The Relevant Podcast Network in the podcast section at relevantmagazine.com. And while you're there, browse exclusive podcast merchandise at our online store. Make sure to subscribe to Relevant Magazine. Info is available at relevantmagazine.com forward slash subscribe. I would hate to see any of them get glassed in the future. <laughs> also, I'm always the banker and I steal money and no one expects that from the thimble. I got one of those Ricola horns. Help me. I guess you could say he really blew it. Ah! Well, the, the lyrics is what it, I, it's kind of, ah, la, la, ah, I love it. Five stars. Oh, oh I feel so around. Help me. Call doctor. Ah! And now Jim Slater with weather, Andy Katz with sports, and Tom Rinaldi, who measures food all day. I'm becoming someone who actively pollutes, just to spite Captain Planet. I want a chimp that's always the size that if I put him in a Sherlock Holmes outfit and give him a little magnifying glass, I know there's no danger of him mauling me. Make a funny Smash Mouth song or I'll kick this dog over. I could never fall in love with a Billy Bass, I'll tell you that right now. When it comes to elves... Air on the side of caution. I shouldn't have cut the roof of your mouth. I'm sorry. Jesse Carey Esquire. Sea law, in case you're wondering. You could get murdered out there. Does it have an extender pole? Because that way, it's just a very skinny, limbless version of me. Guys, I swallowed seven quarters this morning. Yeah, you don't want to go full Kirk. People, people are a little sketched out by full Kirk. Yeah, would you have a bass doctor come in?
Cameron, I need you to create a balance beam over that roaring fire you have. I'm going to inflate the unicycle tire. I'll be back. I, I feel like the main story is here. This poor millionaire is getting ripped off on avocados. They didn't even spice it. They just cut it yeah. open. A bunch of pepperoni sticks fell out. I grabbed it by the horns, wrestled it, disemboweled it, and slept in it for a week. That's how I feel about life right now. And they need the riot gear because every once in a while we'll catch one right in the plexiglass face, and it's disgusting. So there's a family, and the mom has a glass eye. That's what you need to know. Are they smart enough to prevent us from capturing them, putting them in pools, and making them do exotic dance routines? I think not. Shocking. I wasn't even, it was beyond offense, just shocked me to the core. Bring me a higher love. Hey, it's a different era, and you just gotta, you just gotta absorb it sometimes. Why is my pills filled with three quarters cotton? Butchering the Queen's English, I'm Jesse Carey. If I can't see your face, the gospel does not apply. You're talking Seabass's language right now. I was like, I'm jumping on the back of that train of girls. Shut up, alpacas, you've cost me everything. Searching for ticks on my big old bloodhound doggy. And I'll say this, as cool as it looks in a drink, don't drink it. He who holds the packing peanuts. We all know the parable. You're talking to a guy who's intimately familiar with night terrors. It's the most wonderful time. Ring, ding, 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 ding. You know it's coming, guys. Thank you. It's going to be the subject of a true pride time. Mommy, why don't we celebrate Halloween? Handsome! Handsome! A uh, next one. Oh! And if you happen to have magnetized fingers and you're thankful for them, let us know. Is gubernatorial? Is that, am I saying that right? You know, I was expecting to be teased there. If I feel like the right thing to do is scream at a bunch of kids, I scream at them all the time. More of you in my life. But sometimes he'll get you into some fun stuff. 